Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Today we are joined by John Cabrera, who you might know better as Brian Fuller, the bassist from Hep Alien and roommate of Lane Kim. He's an actor and screenwriter and co-founder of fan community Remarkist, which brings together fans of shows like Gilmore Girls, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Schitt's Creek, and more. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to start off, we usually do in our recaps a talking fast segment where we attempt to recap the whole episode in 30 seconds and usually fail pretty spectacularly <laughs> oh nice which episode are are, are you on uh, at the time of recording we just finished season two episode 17 i believe so we're about to get into the car crash with jess and rory mm-hmm. sookie's wedding yeah. and christopher oh nice yeah. just we're you know, really looking a bit of drama to it. <laughs> yeah so would you would you classify yourselves as late season or early season lovers Um, I think I'm kind of in early season up to season four maybe into five okay but like season six and seven I still watch the whole thing of course but (laughs) they're not Mm -hmm. my favorite I think I like the mid a bit to later with Yale and adult Rory All that kind of stuff. But there's a, you know, the early seasons have a place in my heart too. How about you? I'm with you. I'm, I'm mid to late. I, I, the more I like, I, I'm way more into adult Rory. Um, well, I'm, I'm way more into adult Rory's story. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, adult Rory, adult Rory is a bit of a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I love about it. Yeah. I, 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 the later seasons are, for me, they're just more fun because they're just, just, they're more action packed, like you yeah. said, you know? Mm-hmm. Earlier seasons are comfy and cozy. And <laughs> yeah. It's true. Everybody is nice and it's good and the town and all of that. But later seasons, you're wrecking yachts and, you know, <laughs> just as things are going crazy. <laughs> bananas I, I i love those later seasons and um, and 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 i'm you know i know i'm in the minority but i'm, I'm a, a season seven uh i'm you know i wouldn't say like lover but but i but i put season seven relatively high up on on my list i really like seeing rory like in that last season kind of pull herself together again after yeah. her downtime i think that's yeah. pretty inspiring and yes. it like brings you back to what you imagine rory would be like Kind of take, but she's actually taking responsibility for the consequences yeah. of her actions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really I, like that section. That section of the series where Rory is in limbo after mm-hmm. after Mitchum just like just crushes her everything. <laughs> yeah, that period where she's just in that limbo area and she doesn't want to be there anymore and isn't going to continue and is going to like be an event planner or something mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's a cool it's a cool period it's a very weird like you know it's a relatable period for me, certainly for me you know I could I could really relate to Rory in that in that period of like not knowing what to do and almost being sort of a deer in the headlights and mm-hmm. you know your potential people sort of feeling like you, you know like what are you doing why are you squandering your potential but you just like 
you just don't have it you know you don't mm-hmm. know you don't know you don't know where it is and yeah something anything can can knock you off guard yeah. you know you know certainly lesser things than you know being told like that everything that you ever wanted in life that you're not good you're not good at it and so you just you don't like, got it <laughs> right like I, I've been knocked I've been knocked off of my horse for far less than that so mm-hmm. I I think it's cool I I personally I think it's really really cool mm-hmm. that's a good way of describing it I think some people struggle with that portion of the show because they idolize Rory from the early mm-hmm. seasons and they identify with her then so to see her struggling later on they almost want her to remain the perfect angel but I think I agree I find it I find that relatable even more so than her yeah. like succeeding perfectly at Yale if that were the alternative yeah, yeah I mean yeah. I found I found personally like the scene where she gets every, she gets like every uh every acceptance letter on the planet it's so unrealistic like, at a time when like <laughs> like ki- kids are struggling to get yeah. into any college doesn't matter yeah. how good your grades are how you know yeah. i just found it a little over the top and mm-hmm. um and 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 that like that kind of stuff you know i get it like i get like the the, the fantasy yeah the prodigy yeah mm-hmm. and it's like you know i mean yes we 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 often watch shows to escape. And I think the reason why the show is so enduring is because it is such a reliable place to escape to, you know, you going to stars hollow is a comfort for, it's true. You know, so many people. And I get that, that, that there's that fantasy element of it, but um, yeah. And you don't want to keep returning to a place where things are just constantly <laughs> in chaos. And, you know, you want to, you want to return to like, you know, it's like it's the reason people go to Disneyland like religiously, like every yeah, year. Nostalgia. Right. Mm-hmm. The nostalgia, the comfort, like the place of it. You know, you don't want it to be a scary place, a difficult place, a place that mirrors all of the like problems that you face <laughs> in your own life. You want it to be a mm-hmm. place where you can escape to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to good things. But um from a short perspective, having watched the show now, you know, I've, I've, I've watched it once all the way through. And then during the spectacular, I watched this, you know, a smattering of episodes here and there. Um, you know, my first viewing was more from like a story perspective. I just, mm-hmm. I, I just really wanted to enjoy the story. And, and, and for that, those earlier seasons, a lot of that stuff seemed a little, you know, hard to believe yeah but it is mm-hmm. what you say alexis most people who i've talked to who like really are like don't like the revival at all like just like mm-hmm. absolutely can't stand the revival <laughs> or just don't like those later seasons yeah they all say the same thing which is she was my role model i you uh-huh. know like i you know like she was somebody who like I looked up to, to be better than I was. And so to see her now doing these things that are like, that are so like, like I felt like she taught me to be a better person and I'm better for it. Now looking Mm -hmm. at her doing all these things that she would (laughs) never have done as my mentor, you Mm -hmm. know, early on is really like, you know, is, is, is really not easy for me to, Mm -hmm. to, to stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sometimes talk about how she has like 
the not like other girls kind of characteristics in the first few seasons where she's yeah you know cooler than other girls other girls are girly but she's smart right and it's really then, yeah until those and later she, seasons and then later seasons she cares about yeah. that, like you know designer bags yeah and, and she's mm-hmm. more relatable you know mm-hmm. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah watching the first two seasons so slowly we have been looking for traces or signs of you know her story later on like was it brewing early on because sometimes people complain it doesn't feel like the Rory we knew she wouldn't do that and we're like now looking at her uh, fluctuating between Dean and Jess and so she's so afraid of change to you know break up with Dean and just move on to her new interests and it's like you see that again later on with Dean again and then in the revival there is a bit of the signs of Roy's sort of moral dilemmas that I think are a sign of a complex character in the end. Ultimately. Yeah, totally. To transition into some of our questions, we wanted, we had more questions than we definitely have time for, for you. Mm-hmm. So sure. we thought, well, just, yeah, just let, let's see how many we can get through. Okay. Mm-hmm. We thought we'd start off with some of the like, uh, quick answer ones so we're going to do some rapid fire questions yeah if you're up for it we'll Love go it. for alexis will read questions for 60 seconds just to answer <laughs> your first answer yeah like a and challenge we'll see, yeah see how many we can get through <laughs> are these like cha- challenging me to see how well i know the show just preferences no. really of yeah. like character oh, okay. it's pretty simple yeah okay. <laughs> they're okay. not we're not to stump you <laughs> it's not a pop okay. quiz <laughs> <laughs> I've got opinions. I can yeah. certainly answer. And then we'll unpack them more later. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. Go. Pick one favorite. Rory, Lorelai, or Emily? Uh Emily. Okay. Dean, Jess, or Logan? Uh Logan is where I land uh in the OG series. Jess is where I land in the revival. Okay. Max, Christopher, or Luke? Luke. Fall, winter, spring, or summer in Stars Hollow? Winter. Favorite Stars Hollow town member? Mm, Member would be Babette. Independence Inn or Dragonfly? Dragonfly. I mean, (laughs) like, I like it better, like, Mm -hmm. the later seasons, and that's all Dragonfly. (laughs) Who do you want cooking dinner, Suki or Luke? Suki. (laughs) Chilton or Yale? Oh, ooh. That's a good one. Um, I, I accidentally talking... went over time. We oh. are at one minute and four seconds. Sorry, I wasn't oh. paying attention. Oh. But what was your yeah. answer I said, for that I one? I realized that we had to actually do it in 60 seconds. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I I love I love Chilton for like the, a world that I do not know. I don't know mm-hmm. anything about that kind of prep school world at all. And that was really like kind of, fun to be in a in an unfamiliar place the puffs if you know if you yeah yeah (laughs) the puffs are like my like one of my favorite things in the entire series um Mm -hmm. just because well first they bring a lot of really juicy conflict to those early (laughs) seasons Francie is just a treat um Mm -hmm. but I also just love all I, I love things that have history and I loved all of the history that went into the puffs and their you know their secret like you know little slogan and you know and all of the puffs that came before and I, there, there's just something fun about a, a about a, a mystery 
like a mystery society like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I also really love the Life and Death Brigade for the same reason. Um, uh, Yale, I like more for, and, and, I, and I would probably say that, that I enjoyed Yale, those Yale years more. Um, because that was more nostalgia for me. That was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to an Ivy League school, but you know, I went to a, to I, I went to a, a big school like that with a campus and dormitories and and all of that, and it just, you know, roommates and 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 uh, you know the 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 commissary and all of all of that just was a mm-hmm. was just this amazing return to my college years, which I loved my college years mm-hmm. and. Um, and and so I'd probably say that I, like a a return to all of that was way more enjoyable for mm-hmm. me than like being in this new place that I that I'd never really explored before. Yeah, I love yeah. the Chilton. I feel like Chilton is having kind of the aesthetic of Chilton and those secret societies is having a bit of a comeback these days with like dark academia books and <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, and people love know, it. <laughs> I don't know that, but maybe you can recommend some to me because I, yeah. you know, now now that things after the move are starting to settle, I'm looking to like you know oh. to break my my reading nook <laughs> and I, I have a little reading. <laughs> the side. I I've got that two quick recommendations. The first one is super private school. It's a YA book okay. um, called The Ivies, and there's a mis- uh, murder, and then there's like exclusive friend groups and stuff and you figure it out Ooh, and the then Ivies. yeah <laughs> and then one that, that just good. came out called Babel, which is about it takes place in oxford so it's not quite you know private i mean it's private university <laughs> right. but it's about like mysterious stuff and translations and it's it's Ooh. it just came out <laughs> and it's really great <laughs> that, that yeah like i would love that yeah, mm-hmm. um, highly recommend. Cool. Babel. Ooh, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like my my speed. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't I haven't been reading in a while just because my life has been in such crazy transition with like being a new dad and and mm-hmm. moving and all of and and Remarcus. But um, I'm really looking forward to just just sinking into some books this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you can't tell, I think it's funny that our rapid fire moved quickly into conversation, which is mirroring our talking fast segment where we try to do something in 30 seconds and we always want to just add more, more, more. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. It's our, like our slow down uh, portion, we call it. Mm -hmm. Like now we can talk for as long as we want. (laughs) Yes. Um, One of our first questions we had for you is thinking about your own experience as an actor on the show. uh, Wondering what your audition and casting process was like for the character of Brian. Sure. Um, so, uh, I, I was called in to read for another role, a different role than Brian. Um, Which one? I was, I was called in to read for the role of the son, the son of the Harvard, the, the, of the Harvard, like alum that she goes to meet. Where Um, they have the the questions around the table. Yeah, the questions around the table, right. And um, I, I actually knew Mara Casey, the casting director. I knew her outside of the show. She, she was running with my circle of friends, uh, partly because she was part of a Chicago, you know, a small group of Chicago folks that were mm-hmm. here in Los, in Los Angeles or 
there in Los Angeles. I'm not in Los Angeles anymore. <laughs> um, that were in Los Angeles. So, you know, a lot of us from Chicago, um, we all hung out together and, and she was uh, she was a member of that of that group that had been brought in actually by Sean Gunn. So Sean oh. and I have been friends since the early 90s. We, we actually oh. both we went to the same um, to the same school. Um, and, uh, and so I met her through him and she was sort of a part of like our circle of friends. Um, when, when we first met, she was like, I'm, I'm going to get you on this show. <laughs> like, I, like you would be great on this show. So she really wanted to, to find me a role on there, which actually is a, you know, during the summer spectacular, um, I, you know, we had like about 30 Gilmore Girls guests come through over the course of that month. Um, and I asked them a similar question. And a, a lot of actors had the same story of, oh, I was called in a few times by Mara. Like she really, Mara and Jamie, they really wanted to find me something oh. on the show. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was sort of a thing was that a lot of actors on the show actually auditioned for multiple things. Uh, if they liked you, you know, you might not be right for this one role, but they just kind of had you in the back of their mind, like, oh, mm -hmm. that guy, I really like that actor. I really want to bring them back. And so Dan was in the room with me watching the audition. It was me, Mara, and Dan and uh, watching the audition for that that role of the of the son. Um, and I remember he he really laughed. He was like, he was he was loving the audition. And I walked out of there thinking I got it. I was like, oh, that was enough awesome audition and then Mara wants me on the show and that the producer was just like laughing and loved Can't get it better and than he, that <laughs> yeah I was like I got this and then like and my, my manager like yeah so they're gonna go a different way and I was like oh, oh. <laughs> and so I was really bummed and then like a, a week later they get another call saying they've got another role they want you to come in for and Mara Mara has told me that that it was Dan who said, hey, can you bring that guy in that, you know, that that auditioned for the son? You know, I'd, I'd like to see him in, in for the for that role. And so Dan, you know, so Dan, you know, yeah, she probably also would have tried to, you know, to push for me in that role. But that Dan actually was the one who remembered me from that audition, brought me in. And uh, um, the audition was pretty simple it was it was the scene in the um in the uh in the music shop just that first scene where we're playing London Calling um like right like right as the the song ends and we just go into that I didn't have a lot of dialogue so I didn't have much to do in the audition scene it's just to stand there and wait for my one or two lines to happen so I had to kind of do something make that time that I was standing there interesting we had within my group of, of actor friends, uh, we had this like kind of inside joke, I guess. I don't know, inside joke. It was like a technique that we had developed. It, Sean Gunn was the first person to do it. And we called it a space hot dog. <laughs> um, and, and, it, and it started because he went to an audition for something once and he told us the story about how in the scene he created a 
a what we call space hot dog or a spa- he, he created an invisible hot dog stand in the scene that while the scene was going on it the scene didn't have a hot dog stand in it you know it was just like he just decided there would be a hot dog stand in the scene and while the scene's going on he's like ordering a hot dog but like getting his lines like uh-huh yeah blah 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 <laughs> and then and then like getting it and then eating it like mm-hmm. Gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah so and, and doing the thing and um and uh and he told the story and we all were like oh my gosh it's amazing we have to do we have to like now make it a thing where every audition it's like auditions in los angeles can get just like in the like as an actor they can just get grueling just mm-hmm. so like you're just it's a numbers game really like it's just there's so many people that are in in that audition room with you the chances that you're going to get the role is really just like it's just a roll of the dice and um because there's a lot of great talent in los angeles so it's a numbers game it's just the you have to just go to as many as you can um which all in itself is hard because you need then you need an agent that's like you know like just constantly pushing you for every audition but it's exhausting you know you're in your car all the time you're driving one so you have to find something that you can do so that was our little game hot dog stand (laughs) that was our little game which was which was we called it space hot dog it was like what could you do in the scene that was some invisible weird thing that you would put there in the scene that would give you some business to do uh that would be interesting and maybe potentially it would get you the role but if it didn't at the very least it like you allow allowed you to have a story that you could then come back to us and be like so I did a space hot dog and so my so I kind of did a space hot dog which was I I just like created all this business for myself in regards to like my guitar and my amp and so I was just mostly just there like like turning my amp fixing my amp like taking my guitar off then putting it back on again like because they you know and so most of that audition was just me pantomiming like goofy stuff in the scene you know waiting for my like one or two lines I actually you know there were more lines in that scene with the kid from you know, the son of oh, Harper wow. and there was <laughs> in the scene with Brian. So I actually, I actually was not like, like a little disappointed that, 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 that was the, <clears throat> console, like, I sort of viewed it a bit like a consolation prize, <laughs> like, oh, you didn't get the good role. So we're going to give you this one role, this tiny little role with like one mm-hmm. line. <laughs> Did your attitude shift about that as Brian became like a recurring character who's there far more than this random Harvard boy. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, of course that's sort of yeah. the moral story, which is don't judge a role by the number of lines that you have, because, you know, and they always tell you that it's going to recur. Like mm-hmm. that, that's like a thing, you know, so I'm sure. Are you in? Yeah, yes. Like I'm sure that that, that the, the 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 Harvard kid was probably also told like oh you know and we're thinking of making this a recurring role you know oh wow surprise she goes to <laughs> Yale <laughs> yeah so so uh, hearing that it would be a recurring role didn't re- really mean anything to me it was like uh, yeah well, whatever like maybe maybe it isn't it doesn't look like it's going to be a recurring role I mean that that role looks tiny um, mm-hmm. but yeah like 
34 episodes later, if you include the revivals, uh, Brian, you know, is a full, memorable mm-hmm. ensemble member of a historic show and Yale guy. Like we don't, we don't, I don't even think he has a name or, or yeah. maybe he does, <laughs> does, but yeah, it's a good lesson. Good lesson for any actor to remember, which is that, you know, there is no, no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> what was your kind of connection with brian like did he end up being a good character for you to play um was he relatable for you or yeah i mean brian was very similar to me i mean you know i like you know i rat i ratcheted up the 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 nerd factor a bit i had like a little bit of like a you know a little little bit of a nerdier voice vocal thing that i did um but you know I'm into, to, if I could turn my camera, you'd see like a whole wall of like little robot toys and I've got a Munchie Chi up there and a Boba Fett and, <laughs> you know, uh, like a Lego Brandenburg gate. Like I'm, you know, I'm into all of the, all, all of the like geeky pop culture stuff that he's into. Uh, the question of course is like, did they write Brian because they kind of got that sense from me? Yeah. Or did I get the role because that was who they wanted him to be? And I fit that mold really well because that is kind of a lot of who I am. (laughs) I actually think it's the former. The Mm, reason why is because there was another actor who almost got the role. After it was, after the audition was over, Mara actually told me like, oh, it was down to you and blank. I don't remember the the actor's name. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember him there at the audition and he was nothing like me. No glasses, like very different type. You know, if you looked at, he looked a little bit more indie rock than I Mm -hmm. did. Um, and it was really, truly down the two of us, there was like a split decision between the room. Like some people in the room wanted him, some people in the room wanted me. And I don't really know exactly how it ended up, um, finally, uh, going to me, but had it not, had it gone the other way, I can't really imagine the actor that played that role. I can't really imagine him being into like Futurama and, and, (laughs) And, uh, you know, listening or, or like being into like Ken Burns jazz and, and all of that, like weird stuff that Brian was into. I don't even imagine him uh, like having all of like, I guess he has a deviated septum in that first episode. And I guess the actor would have had to have had it, but um, <laughs> or, or, you know, it would have been a part of the Brian character. Which I guess does suggest that maybe he would have been a little bit nerdy. Maybe they would have made that guy work in that way. But I I feel like. Early Brian, we don't really get much of Brian's personality, you know, Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. first season of Brian, he's pretty, he's just pretty generic. He's just pretty generic nerdy guy. Um, And then it isn't until like season four and really season five that like Brian's full personality comes out. And that personality, I think is a lot of me of like of mm-hmm. actual me with like you know just like a b- bit of a of a nerdier voice and a little bit more of an extreme you know sense of style and taste and in, in various things and I, I my gut tells me that they 
they just got to know me and mm-hmm. they saw those things in me and they they couldn't help infuse the character with some of that stuff I think the best characters yeah. have a lot of a, a lot of the actual actor in them even if mm-hmm. it's like a you know a real character role that like you know where the where the actor is transforming I still think that you know for uh, for a role to be truly successful uh you have to bring pieces of who you are to that role one of my theories of why they also were like more willing to embrace a more kind of nerdy band member versus maybe a more like I don't know kind of as you said I don't know indie rock kind of guy is didn't the school of rock come out just about the time that they were starting this season oh well that was season three when did school of rock come out I think 2002 or 2003 oh if school of rock came out in 2002 then absolutely wow and I was Um, thinking like I thought it was a little later than that it came out when I was in middle school, so you're right. It came out Around in two thousand it came out in two thousand and well, it came out in two thousand and three in in September of two thousand and three. And I actually joined the show in two thousand and in, in uh, around okay. around October of two thousand and two. Mm, so okay. I, so I, not I quite. <laughs> a full year earlier. But you know, that but that might have been in the zeitgeist, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. like having more rock. diverse band members. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also, by the way, School of Rock, the script School of Rock, was likely floating around Hollywood oh, for true. at least you know two or three years before um, before that movie was released. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, yeah. it was probably being made actually. Actually, that it was actually probably being made at the same time that I was that I was. Uh, cast as Brian it was probably being made mm-hmm. during during 2002 so I don't know if they knew about that but it's very possible that that was in the zeitgeist that you know maybe that script was out it was almost certainly mm-hmm. it was almost certainly in the trades like yeah. School of Rock was almost certainly you know something that was in the trades like you know that that Jack Black was doing a new movie about yeah about a high school rocker and teaching kids how to rock I'm sure that that was announced in 2002 so actually i think it's a good theory i actually think it's like that like that 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 kind of thing was in the in the cultural zeitgeist and Mm -hmm. and and that in hollywood people knew that like rock and roll was kind of a was a a thing at that Mm -hmm. time i didn't realize that it was that that old i i really thought that school of rock came out like in the later in the later aughts yeah it was definitely foundational for me when I was in middle school. It informed a lot of my high school personality. <laughs> Feeling old. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, speaking of bands and Hep Alien, I think most people agree is such a fun addition to the Gilmore Girls universe. What was it like being a part of that, filming those band scenes? Uh, were you playing your instrument <laughs> for real? Yeah, what's the logistics? <laughs> the Happy Alien felt like a band. Uh, yeah. I really, it really did feel like I was in a band for several years. Uh, I'd go see you on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, 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 this is pretty, this is pretty common knowledge. Uh, but I was not playing my instrument. Well, okay, no, that's actually not true. Um, I was playing my instrument. You just didn't hear my instrument. You heard somebody else's instrument. So mm-hmm. the reason why a big part of why 
have alien i think really worked why like it's such a beloved part of the show is because it was treated like a band from Mm -hmm. day one from day one we were given this sense that we were a, a we were all bandmates and that anytime we were on the show first of all of the like you know 32 episodes of of Gilmore that were in the old series i'd say at least 75% of them had some music in it whether it was mm-hmm. we were rehearsing something at the apartment or whether there was some you know kind of actual show every one of those scenes or every one of those episodes that had a scene with any music in it we had a rehearsal space rented for us that week prior to shooting the episode like an actual rehearsal space that any band would have rented to prepare for their show so we we go to a rehearsal (laughs) space as if we were an actual band like and you know we were not there were actual (laughs) bands there that were rehearsing at that space gritty little you know dirty little spaces here in Los Angeles so we it felt like really indie rock like we were actual like a band that scraped together just enough money for the for the rental of of the room and I was given, you know, the chords to learn and the, the, like the fingering for the, for the, uh, for the, on the guitar, um, on the bass. And I had to learn it and I would spend the whole week getting the fingering down, uh, as perfectly as I could. It wasn't that difficult because, well, first bass is not as difficult of an Mm -hmm. instrument to play. And, um, or at least to to play at that level. Um, and uh, and all I would have to do is just like learn one, maybe two songs and just memorize what was just a repeating, you know, few chords. Uh, it, it never sounded good enough to be the actual sound that you heard, but I was playing. So I felt like I was playing and I rehearsed. So I felt like I was in a band. And every time we were playing at the rehearsal space, I was standing there actually playing it. Uh, But just to the right, like right, just to the right of the camera, there was another guy on bass Uh actually (laughs) playing because everything that you hear on the show is live. It's all, it's all recorded audio that was recorded on set never once did they ever take us into a studio and have us record the actual sound actually you know what actually I don't think that's true that I think (laughs) actually the very first episode I believe that the very first episode they did because I think the very first episode they were like you know they wanted it to be perfect whatnot and then I think they realized like no it actually sounds (laughs) a little better if we just if we just use the audio Mm -hmm. that they did on set so from then forward every single one was just us playing there so between the rehearsal playing it on set a bunch of musicians who were playing it for us so there was also this vibe of like hanging out with other musicians that were actually musicians uh the whole thing felt really like like I was part of a band and then you throw Sebastian Bach into the mix right it's an actual like you know, musician from a huge band. And 
It's weird. I mean, I, you know, at the time, I don't think I really appreciated, like now in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, wow, like you were in a, you were really in a band with a rock star. <laughs> um, and that's really how it felt. And um, in the t- at the time, I don't think I really totally appreciated or really thought much about it. But yeah, in retrospect, it really did feel like I was part of a little band. And I think that that's a part of why the band feels so real to people, why people still say like, mm-hmm. oh, like I would love a half alien album or if you toured, I would totally go to it. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that like both me and Sebastian did not play our instruments. We both sang, which, which is good. I mean, we both can sing, uh, but we didn't play our instruments. Keiko did play her instrument. She, she learned how to, how to drum for, specifically for that role. Um, Todd did play his instrument. Uh, but, you know, could we do a tour? Not really, I don't think, but, uh, but, you know, it feels like we could. And, and, yeah. and I think that that's because they really did do it. They went out of their way to make us like to, to give us an environment where we would feel like bandmates. Then we're all friends still. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I see Todd and Keiko regularly. Um, Sebastian, not as much. I hope I will see him now. <laughs> he, he lives in the same city. He lives in, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, so hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll run into each other a little bit more, but we we're still all, all very close on social media. And, um, and there is this, you know, this feeling of like, oh, we were part of something. We were a mm-hmm. part of like more so than, you know, I don't really ever think about like being a part of the same thing Lauren was a part of mm-hmm. or, or Scott. Like, I don't like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I recognize that they were a part of the same show that I was a part of, but I don't really think of it like, oh, we were, we, we were a part of something when I think of them. But when I think yeah. of Keiko, Todd, Sebastian, even Emily, Kuroda, you know, I feel like, oh, like, you know, we, we, we did this thing together. <laughs> you know years ago it's so interesting to think that like it's a subsection of the larger show but the actors you and even if that they rented you those rooms the production behind it it's so dedicated to produce that band that you could it's its own world almost and now I kind of think there could have been a spin-off opportunity that would be great no <laughs> definitely definitely yeah. could have been definitely could have been my big pitch now that I say all that I, that I say all the time is I uh I think a really cool spin-off series of Gilmore Girls would be a spin-off series that follows Stephen Kwan and I know oh, that yeah I know that, that that Amy wasn't really a huge fan of that you know that storyline or at least wasn't a fan of lane being given twins mm-hmm. uh, or being given i guess any kids but um but i think she specifically was like like i cannot believe and you gave her twins yeah <laughs> her twins you know yeah yeah um, but it exists now right yeah. like it exists and it exists in the revival they didn't do really much with it i mean you know amy didn't really really touch it much but Hey, you could embrace it and have a new series that takes place in Stephen Kwan's high school years. They are now in their high school years, right? Like mm-hmm. they were little kids in the revival. Now they should be getting into like early years of high school. Twin brothers starting a band. That would be awesome. And, yeah. and all new characters, all new cast of characters, you know, with every once in a while. We yeah. get to see every once in a while, 
one of the old cast members from Gilmore Girls passed through. Very yeah. tasteful, <laughs> tasteful cameos. Tasteful yeah. cameos, like, you know, Uncle Brian comes through every once in a while. Uh, you know, uh, of course, Zach and, uh, you know, Zach and Lane are there. Um, probably divorced. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that it's mostly focuses on them. And uh, I know, you know, I mean, there's always the like, there's always the dream like, oh, you know, could there be another Gilmore Girls series and could we mm-hmm. then maybe potentially see have Alien reach the heights that it like, you know, that it should have re- reached. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that I actually do believe that had Amy and Dan stayed on the show that that the that the the storyline for season seven have Alien would have probably been something that involved a record label and a record deal and, you know, something that at the very least showed that they had made it, maybe not like, you know, the biggest band ever, but like that they would have become like a little, like a little Mm -hmm. indie band that like was getting radio play and was starting to like, you know, hit some charts, maybe had one, a one hit wonder or something. It felt like, it felt like that's what they were moving us towards. and so, yeah, I mean, the dream would be like for that to actually happen now that like despite children or now that they are, that they are going to college, she can return to, you know, mm-hmm. what, what she always wanted to do and that we create a band and that we are like, you know, Sonic Youth that was able, <laughs> cool. to, be, was able mm-hmm. to do it even, even with kids. But I think another way to do it would be, why don't we live success through our children because that's, yeah. that's the huge, next gen yeah that's a huge theme of the show right is is mm-hmm. the next generation and i think it would be just as cool if like you know hep alien had its thing it never quite got there and that's okay what it did though is it produced two new kids that yeah. are amazing and they end up getting like on MTV mm-hmm. and they're cool That'd and they're so this awesome. like they're this like yeah. twin duo like you know that like you know twin brothers that that like maybe both play guitar like how how in the mm-hmm. world do you do that like you know make two guitars and that's it they don't have anything else just two guitars like how do you make that are they both great? play the drums like Lane I don't know yeah or they work. both yeah or something <laughs> something like something interesting like that mm-hmm. or maybe you know maybe not maybe there's like one drummer and one yeah. guitarist and mm-hmm. that's it there's actually a really cool band called that I was actually that I was listening in the uh, listening to in the odds called John Ossie John Ossie mm-hmm. uh, or John Ossie John Ossie mm-hmm. um they're a Swedish band and it's just a guitar player and a and a drummer and they make oh, that wow. band sound huge just the mm-hmm. two of them and it could it could it could work anyway This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm persuaded by that. And that's such a positive spin of the Lane storyline from season seven that I appreciate because I often critique it myself. But I like this approach to it and tying it into mm-hmm. the larger thematic interests of the show. And hey, maybe Rory's um, future offspring will be there. Yeah, they'll have to be <laughs> following <babysitter>. that <laughs> revival storyline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I haven't seen Amy and Dan in a, in a, a while. Um, but, uh, and I don't know how they would feel about me, like, you know, trying to pitch them on, on <laughs> a new version of the show, but man, I, I would love, I would personally love to see that show. I would like yeah. actually want to watch that show. Now having watched Gilmore Girls and a huge fan of it, I would, I would want to watch it and I wouldn't even need to be in it. Like, honestly, like, yeah. you know, if they, if they were like, yeah, you know, Brian went off to, you know, somewhere else, he's not really, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna bring him i wouldn't care like it it, like that's not it's not about me wanting to have like another role or whatnot i mean i don't really act anymore um but uh but i just think that that would be a really cool show and i and and i would love to to pitch that to them one day or it would be so cool to maybe get their blessing to pitch it myself yeah i think you should (laughs) yeah It'd be so interesting to see how like Stars Hollow in the 2020s would be. They kind of tried to update some things in the revival. I felt like add in some smartphones and stuff like that, but it didn't really feel that updated. So it'd be interesting to see, especially from like a, what would they be like Gen Z uh, perspective? You definitely got got a sense that like all of the newness, like all of the the like the newness of the world that we live in all of the new tech and so like social and this all of that kind of stuff that wasn't there during the original series you do get a sense that amy doesn't like it yeah oh yeah (laughs) and then she went to do maisel you know or maybe maisel was already happening but oh yeah yeah, you know definitely it's like oh i am not doing a show like if i have to do a show that like include social media mm-hmm. smartphones like uh mm-hmm. i'm going to an era <laughs> where none of that existed at all so yeah I, I think that's probably the biggest obstacle to the idea of a another like spin-off or 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 a, like a new revival or a spin-off of the show mm-hmm. or a continuation of gilmore girls is that i just genuinely think that they just don't really want to tell a story in this freaking weird world that we create. Yeah. You know? Like we we were talking at the top about the escapism and nostalgia mm-hmm. of the early season Star Hol- yeah. Stars Hollow to go visit it and have it be yeah. firmly grounded in our own world is almost as the viewer not exactly what we even desire no. from it. No, so how do you reckon with that? I, exactly. I mean you go to like the Gilmore Girls Fan Fest and you know, I don't know if you know the Gilmore Girls Fan Fest happens are you familiar with? No. Oh, you haven't. I feel like know? I've heard about it, but I've never. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a yearly been. festival. There's a yearly fan festival. I, I've done a few of them um, where uh, they they actually take place in these small Connecticut towns. 
and <laughs> like thousands of Gilmore Girls fans converge on these on, on these towns. <laughs> oh, uh, and I bet the towns love it, though. You know, <laughs> some of them do. Oh, some, some of them do <laughs> not. Like okay. it depends. It depends. Like so the ones that the ones that are like you know a little bit more, the ones that have a little bit more of a um, like commercial. Uh, like a little bit of a, a more commercial bent, like, you know, with stores and stuff that they, those see the value, absolutely mm-hmm. see the value in like all of the business that it brings. But there, there was one year where they did it and it was in this, like this little town and it was like mostly residential and oh mm. my God, the people were not having it. <laughs> yeah. They were like, get out of here. Oh, where did all these people come from? Yeah. Um, the tailor of the town is probably yes, like, it was very get them out. The, yes. It was very tailor of the town. The whole town was very tailor of the town. Um, but, uh, but it's cool. Like for a weekend, you as a fan are hanging out with other Gilmore girls fans in this like make believe stars hollow and they create you know the 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 festival coordinator um or festival like coordinators coordinator uh would create all these like you know knit-a-thon and you know all of the ones from the from the series a lot of fun a lot of fun um and uh and then you know cast members from the show we were invited um they uh they brought us there to engage the fans and, and uh, you know, there's some autograph signing and selfies and, you know, and, and, and picture taking and stuff. But for the most part, it's just like, we just would, you know, be there in the town. We would walk around and hang out and, you know, be at the local bar and, and, and fans could like actually engage some of us. So the smaller members of the show, there were a couple of years where they brought in like Scott was there one year this year that they've got Scott Cohen is there. Um, but, you know, mostly it's like Eris, me, Todd, Keiko was there one year. Sean was there bigger. Um, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Liz Torres goes every year and, and we mostly are just like, hanging out well like we're like we're, we're like hanging out but so it really does give you this the closest feeling that you can get mm-hmm. to being in stars hollow and yet everybody's got like looking at their smartphones mm-hmm. everybody's yeah. like, taking you know, selfies like, <laughs> taking selfies and, and you're kind of like well we're is, almost there this, <laughs> is not, this is not totally stars hollow because yes there's a gazebo but we're all taking a selfie in front of it and that yeah. is not <laughs> at all stars hollow sounds like a different version of like a renaissance fair or something (laughs) (laughs) trying to recreate something that really you can't you can't recreate (laughs) yeah oh and but and yet Mm -hmm. renaissance fairs are not going away yeah we're we're, we're actually going to go to a renaissance fair here in vegas oh nice in a few in a few weeks i think it's it's gonna be coming i love Mm -hmm. renaissance fairs in mm-hmm. fact, my one of my biggest critiques, one of my biggest critiques of the series is that they did not give me enough Renaissance Fair. <laughs> yeah, with the Liz storyline, they kind of... Mm-hmm. Just like, just at a booth? Yeah. Just the whole episode, <laughs> just at a booth? Are you kidding me? I want to see the human chessboard. I want to see a guy <laughs> playing the wine glasses, you know? That would have been awesome. <laughs> they didn't give me enough. <laughs> that makes me wonder. So sometimes while we're watching, we'll have 
alternate universe theories. Like, we just recently watched the episode where uh, Paris and Jess, like, invaded Rory's alone time, and then they had their great uh, hangout moment. Mm -hmm. So we decided that they, an alternate universe would be them all going to college and being roommates together. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you have any alternate universe theories? We actually did at at Remarcus. We do events like that, mm-hmm. uh, and we did we did an alternate realities event. It was a gab session. So mm-hmm. at Remarcus, we have different event types. We have watch parties, which is sort of where the project began with a watch right. of the mm-hmm. girls. But but then we've expanded it. We've got like game nights. Mm-hmm. We have gab sessions, and we we had this one gab session. Uh, in June that was alternate realities where we all talked talked about like possible possible you know possible different ways that things could have gone and somebody did actually uh somebody did suggest what if what if Jess went to Yale that'd be so yeah that's what I was thinking about too. And it made a yeah. really good case for why he might actually, mm-hmm. you know, because like at first you're like, oh no, rebel, like you know, wasn't in the school, like you know, doesn't believe in that kind of stuff, you know. But they made a really good case for why he would. It largely was actually to be close to Rory. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it made a lot of sense. Um, what were some other alternate realities that happened? Well, of course, like a big alternate reality that I would have would be would be um the band um mm-hmm. would would have like had some great success during the during the run of the show um here is a really interesting one <laughs> what if what if luke had been a woman at, at a woman owner mm-hmm. of of the of the uh, of the diner which was actually mm-hmm. what was originally planned yeah yeah so then the question is, alternate reality, who's the male love interest? And I think the answer is Christopher. Ah, uh, we've I actually... Think, I think the answer is Christopher would have been written a little different in order to accommodate that, like, that the ultimate, like, what the show is moving us towards is rooting for a Lorelai and Christopher, like, finally they figure it out and they figure out how to make it work Mm -hmm. because without Luke in there to sort of suck that out um you know Luke is the like is the the one you root for right like he that's the that's the love interest that you that you want right because of it everything everything that is that is bad about Lorelai and Christopher is like amplified and and in the minds of the viewers, it's the reason that you know it 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 it's the reason why he's the antagonist, you mm-hmm. know. But there's plenty of good in the relationship between Lorelai and mm-hmm. Christopher. We just see that as like the exception to the their relationship, right. not as the rule. If there was no Luke, we would see all of the laws as the obstacles towards them becoming you know finally the right like at the right place in each other's lives and all of the good stuff would be like the victories the small victories in our path to get there that's that's yeah oh that'd be interesting we've Mm -hmm. kind of 
thrown around the possibility that we think that Lorelai has bisexual energy. So we could also <laughs> see her if Luke was played a woman character. I do like the idea that that would still lead her and Christopher to being together. But there could still be a little bit of tension there with her Maybe. coffee supplier. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't. I I don't know if I mean it's certainly a, it's certainly a great alternate reality. I don't know if, yeah. the, if, if I don't know if the show would have gone there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They try yeah. and convince us. They tell us that Michelle is straight until like basically the very end. So yeah, right. yeah. yeah. The show just was, the show was not ready to be 2020 back. In, yeah, that's true. 2022 <laughs> back in you know 2002. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it, and, and and you know there's lots of lots of strange problematic dialogue in that that series that like that tells us that that likely wouldn't have been the storyline I I mean I really do I really do think that um in earlier seasons they did not know what direction they were going to take the love story I Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm not totally because if the if the chemistry between Lorelai and Luke had not worked as well as it did, they could have easily like, and and if the audience, if the audience had embraced the idea of Rory's father, like being the one that we really want to like it to finally work. And, you know, and if they had seen like all of that stuff as like, these are just like the flaws of a person who's on their way to, to finding their, you know, their truth, their true potential self. I think that they could have written it in which it was Christopher in the end. They would have had mm-hmm. to have obviously rewritten certain things. There would have had to have mm-hmm. been stuff that that didn't happen <clears throat> because there, I think there, there are parts of of his story that you know really irk, uh, that really irk the fandom <laughs> in a way that you can't really. Uh, but I think that those things were put in there. Mm-hmm. because they had already decided by that point like yeah. oh no the, the 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 story is Luke and Lorelai that's the story that's what you're rooting for but they could have easily gone in a different direction by writing the Luke character to be a little bit more needy a little more yeah. you know a little more clingy mm-hmm. um and I think in earlier seasons they did not actually know which way they were going to go they needed to get uh, some cues from from the from the audience from the viewership like what you know like what is the what is the taste for these two characters? And they, you know, they probably needed to just see, you know, what the, you know, how things were, were moving. I mean, Luke was a main character and, and mm-hmm. Christopher wasn't. So that probably supports the idea that they were probably leaning more heavily towards Luke. But recently I did a a, a convention with Scott and Scott revealed that, that he too was like expecting that he was just a small like a small one episode role and that it wasn't until after the pilot after they realized that there was a lot of chemistry there that they then considered him as a really big role in the show but that Mm -hmm. he he came into the show thinking that it was just a small little part as just the waiter of this you know 
of this diner and that, you know, and in that, that, I mean, that's like as small, maybe even smaller than Christopher, if that's, yeah. if, that, if that's how they had gone with it, if he had, they told that. him he was recurring, but he didn't quite believe it. And then, <laughs> you know, it actually yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This discussion of once they set on a love interest, how that affects the rest of the characters. I think evidence for that is Dean once just arrives. Because, I was just about to yeah, say it. I yeah. was going to say I think, that. Like, yeah. The Dean, the Dean character is very different in season mm-hmm. one. You know, yeah. I actually was, I was team Dean and I actually <laughs> held on to team Dean for quite some time. <laughs> so well, did Rory. <laughs> well past, well past <laughs> being, uh, being um, somebody that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, I was defending. Luckily though, luckily my defense of Dean had a strong argument with like, cause I was not a Jess fan. I was just mm-hmm. not, I was not a Jess. I was just not into Jess. I like, you know, just couldn't relate to like the punk, the <laughs> punk Jess. I couldn't really relate mm-hmm. to like, you know, gnome stealing troll, trolling Jess. <laughs> and um, I mean, I get why he's, why he's such a beloved character and he's, a lot of fun story-wise uh but dean season one felt like they actually that that character was like going to be a pretty cool enlightened you know guy and then all of a sudden he's like into transformers movies and like you know it was like wait a second is that I don't remember him being into Transformers movies in the first season. Yes. <laughs> you know, like waiting for her at the bus, you know, as she gets off the bus. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was like a real quick, like, we're going to make this character clingy, needy, and annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of started with Tristan. Oh, yeah. But all her other love interests are granted character arcs and growth. You know, Jess is still a punk later in life, but he writes a book and Logan gets a lot of character growth later on but Dean really just gets jealousy you know feels like regression yeah he just gets angrier and angrier and angrier and then then one day she just happens to run into him at the supermarket and he's like hey how's it going things are good (laughs) things like life is great now that you're not in it (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) yeah I'm a huge Jess fan but I think that's because I do relate to him. So I can see, I can see why. I mean, that's the, that's the big, I mean, I get like people relating to the character who, you know, is the outsider feel, you know, he's the outside, like it, like that's totally fair because I, I can relate to that as well. It's just, I just didn't like all the trolling, you know, I didn't like all the trolling, you know, the (laughs) punk, you know, type, like, I just felt like. He doesn't behave well, that's for sure. (laughs) No, but, you know, I mean, everybody loves him, defends that as like, look, he's a kid, you know, he's a kid. And, and, and they are right. Like, ultimately they're right because the, the Jess of the revival is an honest and even the Jess of Truncheon Books. Mm-hmm. you know in, in a later season that is that that is the jess that he that is that is the cor- that is the correct progression of that character yeah and, and and so everybody who sort of is like yeah that's you know like he's a kid he's growing you know that's what we loved about it like they were right because that mm-hmm. is who he becomes it's he satisfying is, yeah. he is the most satisfying 
he is the most satisfying of the three of those yeah. of those three characters he's the one oh here's a cool alternate reality i don't know <laughs> if i'd call it an alternate reality but it's definitely a reality that could even still exist i have like i often at remarkest i all i often will um throw out these like fan fiction ideas that I have mm, yes mm-hmm. um, we do the same thing yeah <laughs> but I don't I don't I I often don't do it in the context of like writing I mm. often do it in the context of like an, of just like a single image because I'm like mm. oh I want to I want to do a painting of you know and it's just like a painting of something right mm-hmm. and I have this I have this image really really it's it I mean it's crystal clear in my mind if I have time I think I could actually do it like a Norman Rockwell style, like highly realistic, but with a little extra bit of that small town charmy thing. Uh, scene is a living room. And in the living room, the living room, it's kind of an up it's sort of an upscale-ish living room, like not mm-hmm. quite Emily and Richard, but close, <clears throat> definitely New Englandy, definitely a larger-ish house. Living room, nice furniture, modern with a little touch of antique. And sitting there are two couples. One couple, uh, but two couples, both in their 60s. So both of them, like, like gray hair, you know, and they're, they're in a full conversation and somebody said something really funny and everybody's laughing. Two of the couple, we have no idea who they are. No clue who they are. The other two is Rory and Jess. Oh, I love that. I could see them. I mean, I guess there are all sorts of theories after the revival about them, but I could see them growing all together with how they've they both changed by the end. Yeah, that that's that's my, <laughs> like that's, that. my that's my fan fiction Norman Rockwelly painting that I want to do is Rory nice. and Jess in their sixties, gray hair, both beautiful, like both like aged just gorgeously, <laughs> and they're all four of them are laughing at something that somebody just said and just dying laughing, all sitting there in this like parlor in this like new england parlor that is uh that is you know and and then then, yeah you ask like well you know what are they doing like what like how do they own this house i mean like again i don't i don't imagine it to be as like elaborate and beautiful as like as like uh richard and and emily's place but like a little bit nicer than like laurelize yeah yeah i love that what what are they doing is you know who's 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 the more successful of the two, you know? Um, uh, is it their house or is it their friend's house? You know, like, mm-hmm. who are those two other people? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. who knows, who cares? You know, yeah. Um, uh, that, yeah, that, that's a, that's, I, I guess not an alternate reality. That's like, in my mind, like a very, very possible reality, which is that yeah. I think that probably Rory and Jess are really the ones that are, the two that are supposed to get get together and I would imagine that like that probably happens in their old age yeah <laughs> on the note of fan art and theories uh can you describe a bit the uh for maybe our listeners who are less aware your process of your first rewatch and kind of joining 
Gilmore Girls from the fan side of things and how that has been a new experience and been part of Remarcus now that journey from like actor of the show and now a fan of it as well yeah so for the past decade I have been really like focused on fandom in general I've like it's just been it's been a topic that I've been very fascinated by which is weird because when I was on the show I I I didn't really think much about fandom Mm -hmm. um and you know back when the show was on the air I it was it wasn't really the phenomenon that it is now people think that you know they're like like did you know back then the answer is like no I don't think (laughs) any of us really thought that it was going to become as big as it has it mostly got to the size that it has really mostly because of Netflix I mean ABC Family Channel added like a big you know sort of excitement for the yeah, show but yeah, really that's like, where I joined in <laughs> yeah, yeah. runs on ABC family <laughs> but 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 it really like reached it's just fever pitch when it came to Netflix and that's why we got the revival is that Netflix was like this show is watched like crazy <laughs> like crazy and uh and so you know something was happening in the teens like in in the early teens that like just got me like really really fascinated with fandom in general. And I've been, you know, for the past like five or six years, I've been really like, like hip on this idea that fans are like the most important part of the most important component to the success of, I mean, it seems very obvious, right? The success of any large franchise, it's like, how big is its fandom? But I like go even further that it's also like like that fans are more and more becoming a part of the creative like evolution of of a series um you know yeah partly through influencing the creators of the show like creators are now taking their cues from the fans but that like you know fans are also doing all these amazing things outside of it fan fiction and cosplay and and all that and you know i started to really wonder if the future of fandom is going to be more interconnected with the creation of franchises themselves. And I, and I wanted to understand like how that could be and, you know, potentially even help bring that to be, you know, like help Mm -hmm. make that happen. Um, And so for the past few years, I've been trying to like, you know, like, like look, research, you know, develop products and tools and, and whatnot that, that are in that vein. And last year, I, you know, just as part of that, you know, not specifically thinking about it, but like, you know, it was just like all of this was on my mind. And I've been doing this Gilmore Girls fan festivals for several years. I was developing a relationship with a lot of fans outside of, you know, like, like, like through social media. And then I would meet mm-hmm. them at the fan fest. And, you know, there was just like all of these these worlds colliding, you know, my interests, what I wanted to be kind of building, like, you know, in regards to my career, I I felt like it has something to do with fandom. I don't know exactly what, but like something to do with that. Now I'm like developing actual relationships and friendships with these fans that I'm meeting in person at the festival. Um, I've never actually watched the show, but they have. (laughs) So we're like developing a relationship, but we have this divide between how they view the show and how I view the show. For me, the show is like 
all it's only memories are are only on set your memories of the show are like of me in the role in your living room all of these things sort of came together and it became obvious that like i need to watch the show and i need to watch it with fans and i and 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 not only that like we as a community if we start watching this together and it works and we're actually like you know developing something big that like this may be the beginning of a lot of of these ideas that i've been you know kind of throwing around which is you know can fans come together and build creatively build works together collaboratively that matter i mean that's what you are you're both doing i mean you're creating mm-hmm. works based yeah. on the show that you love that matter yeah. you know it's a part of what gilmore girls is now is podcasts and fan fiction and fan festivals like that is gilmore girls it's not just a show anymore mm-hmm. so we so i put out a call last last uh uh april Anybody want to watch the show with me? And in my mind, it was like, if this works, then I want to see if it, if I can't grow it into something more than just Gilmore Girls. And uh, I called it Remarkist because I thought, you know, if it works, I want to sort of continue to leverage that that brand. Um, and it did. It was like every night we showed up in a room and watched an episode of the show. And what was amazing was um, what originally was pitched as come watch the show with me i'll give you like an insider's look at what you know what it was to actually yeah (laughs) right like that's 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 the the value proposition come join me and you will get like a dvd a live dvd style commentary track from me who was on the show i'll tell you all kinds of things about what happened that day i'll tell you all kinds of interesting information about production but what it turned into was actually the opposite. I was being led by the fans because there were things that I never, ever would have picked up on the show that fans would watch the show a hundred times were there ready to remind me of mm-hmm. themes, character, uh, you know, character uh, growth, you know, all kinds of stuff that you know, for me, I would have probably watched it through, enjoyed it, but not nearly have dug as deep into every one of these episodes as I have. And what it ended up being was this like amazing, like I thought I was going to be creating something, giving the fans this like really amazing uh, um, experience. What I think it was, but it turned into the fans gave the fans this amazing experience. Mm, yeah. The fans so cool. gave me this amazing experience. And so we built this over the course of the summer, um, watched one episode. I built an app uh, with a little game, little like game mechanics in the app. We have an in-app uh, token that you collect coming to the shows. Then we started creating these collectibles, kind of like, I don't know if you've heard of these things, NFTs, kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like <laughs> NFTs, but not NFTs because it's not, <laughs> not on a blockchain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but but the concept was sort of the same, like, you know, these collectibles, everybody's collecting them and trading them. And I, you know, I, and, and we're building them for each other to kind of commemorate these events that we are spending all of this time together in we finished the show in September and then I'm like okay like this couldn't be the only show that you've got that you guys watch like 
why don't we watch other <laughs> stuff together? Like, and so I open the app up to just schedule whatever you want, like, and like schedule watches of new shows and, and schedule trivias and schedule listening parties of albums and, and, and schedule gab sessions where you just come together and talk about a theme panels. You know, I started looking to see if I couldn't get other friends from Gilmore Girls or from other shows that I've worked on to come and do something. And little by little, it started to actually resemble a like a fan expo in your pocket, like mm-hmm. a 24 okay. hour a day, like, you know, the ideal vision for this is like 24 hours a day, I can open the app up and there are somebody watching a show that I love, you know, and I will go in and watch it with, or talking about a show that I love or playing some trivia on a show that, I, that I love. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole marketplace of these digital doodads that like, you know, that, that represent all of these shows and books and movie franchises that I love. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I can just immerse myself in, in, in that little, in that little playground. So we've been mm-hmm. doing that now for a year and it's been awesome. Um, and we're building more stuff in, in the coming months. We're still not in the app store we're we're uh, we're in a closed beta so in order to to get the app you have to sort of jump jump through a few hoops you have to come to our discord and join our discord and then i have to get you whitelisted into the app um and then uh and then you can join us and collect our in-game currency and and you know trade mementos and schedule events and and uh and and develop relationships with fans through through the shows that we love and in, and in the future my vision is my hope is create new ip create new shows create mm-hmm. new stories right out of the app through collaboration with other fans that right mm-hmm. now we host events around the shows that we love and we talk about characters ad nauseum yeah talk about their character traits and archetypes and story structure and all that stuff. And I feel like we're, we're upgrading our, Mm -hmm. we're leveling, we're leveling up our story, our understanding of story and character. Mm -hmm. And that we're just one step away from a group of us opening up a room and dreaming (laughs) up a completely new place with new characters and all of the tropes and archetypes and structures that we've been analyzing over this time that we can apply them to new works and and that idea that the future of the future of content the future of stories will come out directly out of communities mm-hmm. that, that's where all of this started with me this was this like i think that that fans are the future i think mm. that the future of content creation i think the future of meaningful stories is fan created possibly collaboratively created mm-hmm. you know imagine a story imagine a story world like stars hollow that was open for any fan to write stories into and that they're writing yeah, them that's... they're like dozens of fans are all writing them yeah in fandom right e- each story personal to the fan who's writing it but but aware of the other stories that are being written in it. 
all original, all being created together, expanding together, this epic world that like, that all started with fans coming together, Mm -hmm. like developing this. Mm -hmm. I say this a a, a lot, which is, and it's something that I think is often lost on fans of content, fans of story. It's easy to think of yourself as just a simple fan. To think of yourself like I don't, I I'm just here, I'm just here to celebrate the works that I love. But it's, uh, but we often forget every creator of the works that you love was a fan of works that they loved. Yeah, true. You know, and <laughs> and so like that is such a simple concept that I I really do think fans don't often think about. And if they did, I think they would realize, like, that means that you are the future ones creating the stories that future fans are going to love. Yeah, that's such an awesome vision. And it kind of leads us into our wrapping up question, which was really, we just wanted you to talk about Remarcus, but I feel like you just described it in such a great way. So we were wondering, how can we... How can our listeners find Remarkist? Uh, what's the first step in getting involved in, in your community? Go to Remarkist.com. You'll see the very first page. We're right now going through a, um, a revision of our, of our website. But what you will see for sure is our opening page with a bunch of links to all of our different social profiles. Um, we've got, you know, we do our, our, our watches currently on Clubhouse. Eventually they will be in our app as well. We've got an Instagram. We've got a Facebook. But Discord is one of the, is one of the links there. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that's the one that they should tap is mm-hmm. come okay. to our Discord, join our community, because that's where hundreds of fans are currently just chatting <laughs> every day, 24 mm-hmm. hours a day about like the geeky shows that they love. Yeah. Of course, most of them <laughs> the are fans. Yeah, Gilmore Girls fans because we all started it with Gilmore mm-hmm. Girls. So, um, if you are a Gilmore Girls fan, <laughs> uh, you will be in good company at, in the Remarkus community because currently, I would say our community is ninety five percent Gilmore Girls fans. Overall, this um this conversation about fandom and Remarkus has just really resonated with me. I've had some family members um, ask me like, "Why are you doing a podcast about <laughs> a show from like twenty years ago?" and from a certain lens, it seems a bit a bit weird, sure, but viewing <laughs> fandom as like, well, it's not that Gilmore Girls is over. We're just in the different creative part of it, which is the yeah. fandom part. And we're exactly. part of the next thing, the it's coming the thing. Yeah, so really, I like that a lot. So far is this fandom part of it. But like I said, you are now a part of Gilmore Girls. Like that's yeah. the thing that like, you know, <laughs> that you have to understand is that everyone who is commenting or remarking on (laughs) on Gilmore Girls is now a part of it. They're a part of the show. You aren't just fans. You are now a part of the whole ecosystem that Mm -hmm. is Gilmore Girls. It's bigger than a show now. It is fan festivals. It is cosplay. It is fan fiction. It is podcasts. It is all of that stuff wrapped up into one. And, um, it's easy to look at like, you know, the, the, the actors of the show as like the royalty of that world, Mm -hmm. but more and more, they're not like more (laughs) and more it, it, you know, the, the structure of 
you know, of, of what Gilmore Girls is today. It's, it's, it's way, it's, it's way more amorphous and, yeah. uh, and, and amazing, you know, mm-hmm. like, I actually think that like immersing yourself in the world uh, that in, in this huge ecosystem that ha- that Gilmore Girls has become, I actually think it's more satisfying than like mm-hmm. getting a selfie with a, with a, <laughs> with a cast member from the show or an, an yeah. autograph or something like that. I, um, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> although, although <laughs> a little bit more, those digital collectibles that I mentioned, one of the perks is that they can be signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had several members from the show, several actors from the show come through um, and, and join us for events. And because of it, they actually released some of those digital collectibles and they signed them. So Keiko mm-hmm. has a bunch of digital collectibles on our platform that people are trading with each other and whatnot. And she signed every one of them. Mm-hmm. Rini actually dropped, we call them mementos. That's what the, these digital collectibles are. Um, Rini actually dropped a memento in connection with a Hep Alien themed soap that she created. For those of you who don't know, Rini actually makes soap. That's her, mm-hmm. that's her, her big passion right now. Um, she created a Hep Alien soap and then she dropped the memento with it. She signed all of the backs of her mementos. I signed mm-hmm. many of the mementos that I do, mm-hmm. but anybody can drop a memento, remember? Anyone. Mm-hmm can schedule a show. And that means anyone can sign the backs of their mementos. And so that's another thing that that's kind of awesome is that like fans are being empowered to sign your mementos. Like, you know, we've come to like, to believe that the only valuable signatures are the signatures of the cast of a show or the author of a book, you know, Mm -hmm. you are creating valuable content that is now a part of Gilmore Girls. So I would totally be into a signed copy of your podcast. How do we sign wow. it? But yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Very I, inspiring. The, I just think that, that I believe that that's the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Empowering fans. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And this conversation was awesome. I feel mm-hmm. like we learned a lot about the show and also just about you which was great so thank you so much for joining us it was yeah, a pleasure thank you. It, it was a pleasure a pleasure getting to know you too mm-hmm. yeah thanks <laughs> all right and um so we'll have links for remarkist and stuff in our show notes um awesome. so all of our listeners can find you and hopefully great. join <laughs> fantastic <laughs>